going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 159, week three of the NFL season in the bag. Another great one. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. We're going to talk about every game at least a little bit. And uh, college football, of course. And Kyle's got some more NFL stuff after that. Yeah. Yeah, it's been a, a good week of sports, obviously, with football, uh, college football, having some big games as well over this past weekend. And then always got to look at that wild card race in the MLB and all the stuff that's going on over there. I know it's pretty interesting, especially with the NL wild card and then in the AL West. But besides that, pretty much all the races are, I wouldn't say finished, but we know what's going to happen there. We're getting down to business. Yeah, been clinched. Yeah. Surprisingly, the opener. Since I'm the only one that still watches Oakland A's baseball on the entire planet, I'm going to talk about Joe Boyle because he's been absolutely dominant in his first two starts. And I think the biggest thing that we saw with Joe Boyle in the minors is that he's going to strike people out, but he may also walk a crap ton of guys. And so far in his two starts in the big leagues, nine innings, six hits, no earned runs, only three walks, which is super encouraging, and those nine strikeouts to go along with it. His stuff looks like it has, you know, top of the line MLB rotation stuff where he's top in 99, 100. He has, they, they call it a three pitch mix, but it's really more of a four pitch mix where his slider sometimes throws a little bit harder and it becomes a cutter. It's at around 92 ish. Uh, sliders probably around 88, 87. And then he also throws his curveball once there every now and then down at like 83, 82. Uh, but that's not really something he shows too much. But Joe Boyle looks really good. And I'm pumped that we're going to get to hopefully see one more start of him in this season. And then if everything goes well and he stays, stays healthy, a full year of him in the rotation next year. Pair that with Mason Miller. We surprisingly have some young, good arms that are going to be fun to watch in the future. Absolutely. I, I think it's great when you make a move for kind of a, I mean, I won't say he's unknown. He was a big time college pitcher, but um seeing him actually get back up in the bigs before the season's over is great. Uh, I'm going to be talking about another move here for my opener, a football transaction today. The Jets got themselves a quarterback, man. Trevor Simeon coming back. We figured some kind of move better be coming because we obviously don't trust Tim Boyle enough to put him in the game. He should have went in the game against New England. Zach Wilson didn't know what he was doing, man. Um, But uh, the the whole point here is, um, you know, you got to give this team some hope. Trevor Simeon, uh, we know he, he's nothing crazy, but there's been these graphics going around Jets Twitter. And I want to mention before we move on, because it's very interesting, the efficiency rating of all the quarterbacks who have put, you know, thrown a minimum number of, of passes since 2013. Zach Wilson is the second worst, only in front of Josh Rosen. And Trevor Simeon is right in the middle of that board. Around 46th percentile, that's around Bridgewater, Jacoby Brissett, and of course Aaron Rodgers, just to rub it in, they showed us he was 96th percentile, only Brady's in his company. Um, But hey, a guy who has uh, thrown a lot of touchdowns, a lot more touchdowns than interceptions, Zach Wilson can't say the same. So at least we got a guy in the building, a familiar familiar face. Uh, We all know Miles Garrett broke his ankle in his first start for the Jets when Sam Darnold had mono. That was terrible. So he gets another shot. Yeah, the uh, thing I want to talk about with the Jets and their QB thing, I, I saw stuff on Twitter saying, uh, and I, well, I just kind of like your take about this because yeah. I've seen a lot of stuff on Jets' Twitter, but 
people talking about how this is more of, you know, Rob Sala and coaching's fault for running out Zach Wilson continuously when they know he's not going to be the guy. Obviously, you know, Zach Wilson's a, might be probably or definitely is a person to blame for his play specifically. But just at this point, do you believe this is Zach Wilson's fault that, you know, the Jets are doing this or is it like, you know, maybe Rob Sala and those guys should be held a little bit more accountable for, you know, running out a guy who isn't an NFL caliber quarterback. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he, he makes some great plays every week. Uh, now it's it's the number has been limited. His, his rookie year, he'd make about 10 great throws. Now it's down to one or two. Uh, I just don't think he can play, man. He can't read the NFL defenses. And I don't know if this is on Rob Sala or not, because obviously the guy that he thought was going to be in here went down after four plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they definitely have this uh, blind loyalty to him. And I think it's because he was drafted number two overall. And I don't think Joe Douglas is ready to quit just because it was such an important asset. And uh, I think we're going to realize here over the next couple of weeks, we got Kansas City, we got Denver, and we got Philly. If Zach Wilson loses those games, he won't be back ever again. Um, but if we lose 13 to 10 again, if Kansas City somehow throws us the game, hey, I, you know, crazier things have happened. I don't think they're going to win, but if for some reason we keep it close, uh, I definitely think Zach Wilson will be back. That's just the way it goes, man. They don't want to blame him. Uh, it's a disaster and it's really hard to watch. So I'm glad there's at least a capable backup on the team. We're not saying that Simeon's the future, man. We're saying that, Hey, if this guy can't even hit his check down, if he can't even hit Garrett Wilson wide open down the field, then someone else has got to come in and get the job done. And that's it. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll include most of our jets talk for now. Cause I don't think we're going to be seeing them in the power rankings or anybody in the MVP them unfortunately but maybe we'll talk about them when we recap the game let's hop into week three though and all the games that happened here uh first off thursday night giants go into san francisco or i guess santa clara and they just get blown out in a very typical niners blowout game where you know brock purdy has good stats but really didn't have to do too much uh cmc does does what exactly he does every single game get at least 80 yards and a touchdown and then there's one or two guys from the Niners each game that kind of has a good game. The receiving core and their defense kind of just all over gets the job done. I don't think really anything too much to point out from this. We kind of expected this from the Giants, you know, without Saquon. We expected this from the or from the Niners in order to you know blow out a team at home that isn't that good. Absolutely, all the injuries too. This one wasn't ever going to be close, and uh, the Niners are going to be just fine. Yeah. So we'll hop right into the Sunday games then. Starting off with the Tennessee Titans losing three to twenty-seven in Cleveland. The Browns defense again has a very good showing. Uh Tannehill is held to 104 yards. We saw Burrow a couple weeks ago against this Browns defense have 82 yards. But I think the biggest thing in this game is Derrick Henry. Eleven carries for 20 yards. Most of the game he was under as far as rushing numbers go. So I mean, this problem's defense is something together. I'm not even going to talk about mm-hmm. their offense. They had five sacks in this game. Three and a half of them came from Miles Garrett. This defense, I mean, as of right now, is the best in the NFL, I would say. I agree with you. And uh, to hit on the Tennessee points here, I and I, I'm sure you are thinking in a similar way here. I'm going to stop betting on them for a while. Uh, 
up until now, we were getting away with the uh, great head coaches pulling off the covers. Uh, you know, even the Sunday night game, I hate to bring it up now, but uh, I wasn't sure who to pick, but I'm going to take Tomlin in a, a close game. You know, I, I trust him. And Tennessee is, is looking like they're not going to do that with the, the quarterback play they have right now. So they got to figure it out, man. Yeah. Next game. The Detroit Lions get a win at home against the Falcons, and it was twenty to six. I expected this one to be pretty interesting going into it, and I expected a fun game to watch, and it was just very boring for the most part. Atlanta's offense that has seemed like it's going to be decent this year just completely sputtered. Dozen Ritter twenty one for thirty eight, two hundred one yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Bijan held to thirty three yards on the ground. Atlanta receiving core obviously didn't do much either. And then Detroit, I mean, mediocre day from Goff, 22 for 33, 243, a touchdown and a pick. Jameer Gibbs, it was good to see him to kind of become the main guy in that backfield with no David Montgomery this week. He had 17 carries for 80 yards as well as a catch for two yards, so I guess 18 total touches there. Goff really only went to two people, Amon Rahan and Sam Laporta, but a big breakout game from Sam Laporta, 45-yard touchdown. Uh, as part of his eight catch, 84 yard, and then that touchdown game as well, too. Seven sacks for Detroit's defense is another thing to point out. A couple from Aiden Hutchinson in this game. I think I think I actually picked Atlanta in this game, but this game was one that kind of could go either way. I wasn't too shocked about mm. this uh, as far as Detroit coming out with the win, but Atlanta being held to six points. Not the greatest thing there. No. You know, I do think Detroit has a lot figured out. I like their OC, Ben Johnson. Uh, it's like you said, Goff didn't do anything crazy, but they figured out the formula where he doesn't have to, and they could still win. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their defense isn't as bad as what it's been in years mm-hmm. past to the point where you're going to need to put up 35, 40 points to really feel confident about a game now. They score 20 points, and they win a game by two possessions. So good job by Detroit's defense getting to the quarterback and – Holding Desmond Ritter, who hasn't been a guy who puts up a ton of yards in check for this one. Next game, Saints and Green Bay Packers, man. I absolutely hated watching this game because it was so good in the first half. Derek Carr plays decent enough, 103 yards and a touchdown, and then he obviously gets hurt with the AC joint sprain, uh, and then it goes all Green Bay from there on out. Jameis couldn't hold on to a drive. They couldn't move the ball offensively, and their defense was just – on the field so much that it was bound to give out. So the Packers win 18 to 17. Jordan Love has a game where he doesn't look the greatest, but it's against the Saints defense that we know is very highly touted this year. So not making the biggest deal out of that. A good win for the Packers when they needed it the most, you know, pull ahead a little bit in the division, I guess, even though Detroit is also two and one. And for the Saints, you know, you don't have a quarterback. What can you do about it? So I'm not too worried about them. doesn't seem like Carr is going to be out for super long, maybe just questionable for this week against the Buccaneers. But after that, should be fine. I think the Saints will be fine with that. Yeah, obviously the big story here is Derek Carr. The guy who never gets hurt is hurt early in the season. And the news was this could have been a season ender, but he isn't going to have that problem. Luckily, he should be back, like you said. And uh, even though it's, you know, uh, uh, Jameis Winston, say what you want about him, uh, I-, I still love seeing this from Jordan Love. You know, it's nice to know that he's capable of scoring 18 unanswered in the fourth quarter to come back. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'll take that. Yeah, 11 straight home openers for the Packers that they've won. So they're always good at that first game that they play in Lambeau for the season. 
Next one, Skyler, the Dolphins and the Broncos. Game of the week, I don't know. Uh, 70 to 20, though. Miami puts up the most points that we've seen in an NFL game in over 50 years. And, I mean, where do I even start for Miami's offense here? I'm not even going to talk about Denver. They don't deserve to be talked about after how this game was played. Miami, we'll start with two, I guess. 23 for 26, so near-perfect game there alone. 309 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. Mike White comes in and says, fuck it, throws a deep ball to Robbie Chosen, and that somehow comes down for a 68-yard touchdown. The running game was insane. Devon A-Chan, I think he wants to go by A-Chan now. A-Chan now? Yeah, because I saw something about that, and I always get it mixed up because I know they were saying A-Chan on the broadcast, but I think A-Chan is the way that he wants to be called. Career day for him, complete breakout. I don't know if... This is going to be something that we're going to see too often with how they distribute the carries in the backfield. But 18 carries, 203 yards, two touchdowns along the 67. So he was having big chunk plays throughout the entire game. He also had four catches, 30 yards, and two touchdowns in the air as well, too. Raheem Mostert also had four touchdowns, which is crazy. 13 carries. 82 yards, three touchdowns on the ground, and then as well as seven catches, 60 yards in the air with that fourth touchdown there. Tyreek Hills had over 150 yards. This is also all without Jalen Waddle. Miami's offense, dare we call them the best in the league, and the Broncos' mm-hmm. defense, I don't, I, it's weird to call it the worst defense in the league, but as right now, statistically, you kind of have to. I think this one's pretty clear. Miami was trying to send a message. Uh, Sean Payton's been talking a lot ever since he was rehired, and uh, one of those those guys he talked about was Tua. He said he was going to be out of the league in a year. It's been a year, and he just beat you by 50 points, Sean Payton. So you are going to have to make some changes pretty quickly. If you lose to Zach Wilson, you should be fired 100%, dude, 100%. And uh, that's what I'm Will looking out for. I think he should, probably won't. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he – it's going to be very tough to see Sean Payton fired in season, I think. Just because of how much, you know, hype was around that. And I know there was hype last year, but well, I mean, what did they give him contract wise? Was it like I had to have been like four or five years? Let me pull it up real quick. I know a big part of it five was five year deal. Wait. Yeah, no. the the picks that they had to give too to get him. They're giving him eighteen million dollars a year. So uh-huh. <laughs> if they fire him there, they're still gonna have to give him up you know, all that money and stuff. So we'll see how that goes, but we'll move on from there because Broncos are not worth our time to talk about. Let's talk about the Chargers and the Vikings. What a game that was, 28-24 win for the Chargers and a must-win game for both teams, I would say. Both teams coming into it were 0-2. Obviously, the Chargers get to win 1-2 and now, and the Vikings are 0-3. Herbert has a crazy day, 40 completions and 47 attempts, 405 yards and three touchdowns. Most of those completions went to Keenan Allen because he had 18 catches, 215 yards, as well as a pass thrown by Keenan Allen for 49-yard touchdown. So absolute career day for Keenan Allen. Mike Williams had a huge day as well, too. Seven catches, 121 yards, and a, a touchdown. But he did tear his ACL, so he's out for the year, unfortunately, with that. Man. Uh, perhaps gives a bigger role to Quinton Johnson, a guy who kind of – to me at least, seemed like would be the guy to fill in for a Mike Williams type role where he's really good with the jump balls and yeah. 
maybe just about that, but good job from the Chargers offense. Kirk Cousins on the other side, another good game, 32 for 50, 367 yards, three touchdowns, one pick. They finally got the run game going in Minnesota for the first time this year, 20 carries, 93 yards for Alexander Madison. Obviously they also traded with Cam Akers going into the week, but he wasn't active. Justin Jefferson, another big game, seven seven receptions, 149 yards, and a touchdown. Addison did not keep his touchdown streak going, though. Six catches, 52 yards. Hawkinson, eight catches, 78 yards. Minnesota done, Skyler? I mean, it's pretty tough to come back from 0-3. I saw that last year with the Raiders starting off super bad like that, but I don't know if I see Minnesota having to turn around. You know, both of these teams are very talented, and I, I like – the way the players and the rosters have been built here. You see Herbert and Keenan Allen, they know what's on the line here. They knew what they had to do to get it rolling. Even Alexander Madison, he knew Cam Akers is coming in the building next week. He's got to keep his job. And he did. The problem here is the coaching. This is such a horrific. Anytime I have to watch the Chargers or the Vikings, man, it's it's so painful. I'm pulling my hair out with these terrible fourth down calls fakes that don't make sense, not kicking in certain situations. And, you know, when we were talking about Robert Sala and Joe Douglas earlier, this is what gives me hope that we can actually turn things around because these two teams look so much worse. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, the Vikings are are done, man. They're going to rebuild, unfortunately, because uh, Jettis needs to get paid. They can't afford Kirk Cousins. You think that, uh, yeah. they pay Jefferson? Uh, trade him to Kansas City, perhaps, because that's something I've seen. Or do you think they go the route of trading Kirk? And I know I've seen some Kirk to the Jets rumors over these past few weeks. I just don't think that's possible, man. Uh, not that he couldn't do it, but if you watch the the quarterback show, he takes an extra day off of work to be with his family. That wouldn't work in New York. No way in hell. Um, and also, we just don't see that kind of stuff anymore. It happens a lot more in baseball. Uh, it seems like it's easier to fit in. Uh, with a longer season in football, we don't see the the quarterbacks get traded like that, and uh, yeah. I'd be surprised if it happened mid season. Tough to do an in season trade, but yeah. maybe with the Jets roster, we'll see be something that they look into. We'll hop right into the Jets game though. Uh, Fifteen to ten loss to the Patriots at home. Yeah, Mac Jones. I was gonna say played a clean game, but he does not play clean. Uh, as far as throwing the ball, wasn't. You know, terrible, I guess. 15 for 29, 201 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and one nut tap to Silas Gardner. Ezekiel mm-hmm. uh, Elliott had his biggest game as a Patriot. 16 carries, 80 yards on the ground, as well as a catch and seven yards there. Farrell Brown had the big touchdown in this game for New England, a 58-yarder. Jets offense, man, fuck. I hate doing this, Skyler. It's just... Yep. So bad. Uh, Zach Wilson, 18 for 36, 157 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Run game wasn't there either. Dalvin is washed, by the way. He doesn't give a fuck about the Jets. He, he hasn't tried since he got there. Cook and Hall both had 18 yards. Yeah. Garrett Wilson had nine targets, only was able to come down with five of them, 48 yards there. I mean... We've seen a lot of stuff with the Jets and their chemistry. I, I don't know if I call it issues, but concerns within the locker mm-hmm. room, and even whether that's coming from internally or externally. Man, Skelly, you guys done, dude? Are you guys done? Yeah, 
It's over. Uh, they're going to lose lo- the locker room pretty soon here because they didn't get a backup quarterback in time. And uh, it sucks, man. I really hope they don't lose too many guys, but people are going to leave. People aren't going to want to sign. You know, their dreams of of possibly a Devontae Adams level player, not even him, just a, a another an extra receiver. So we don't have to watch Randall Cobb take 98% of the snaps, man. It's just a disaster. Uh, the Patriots handed them the game four different times, and Zach Wilson couldn't do it. Uh, guys were wide open all game. Mac Jones did just enough, man. He got the ball out just quick enough that we we didn't sack him once. And uh, mm-hmm. that was it. Not fun for the Jets. But, uh, you know, maybe they turn it around on Sunday night versus the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> uh, never mind. Uh, moving on. Bills and the Commanders. An absolute blowout in this one. 37 to 3. I expected the Bills to win, but not to this extent. Josh Allen didn't even have a good day. 20 for 32, 218 yards of pick and a touchdown. James Cook, 98 yards on the ground. Savon Diggs had 111 yards through the air. Nine sacks for Buffalo is just crazy. Terrell Bernard, Daquan Jones, Ed Oliver, Leonard Floyd all had over a sack. Gregor Russo and A.J. Epinenza also got to the quarterback as well. Washington side, Sam Howell was a turnover machine in this one. Only 10 incompletions, but four interceptions and no touchdowns. Brian Robinson, I guess, looked decent, if you want to call it that, 10 for 70 yards. Just a, you know, all-around blowout. We see Buffalo do this a couple times throughout the year where they just Mm -hmm. embarrass a team, and that's exactly what they did to Washington. It was supposed to be a good day for the commanders, you know. I know they opened up against the Cardinals at, at home, but this was, you know, another game against a good team where you're kind of at home and you got the new ownership and you kind of expect things to, the vibe to be up and it just got shot down so quickly in this one. So I don't think really too much to talk about from this game. It's just a good job by the Bills to beat up a, a you know, inferior team and I guess bad on the commanders for getting shit on so bad. I don't blame people for uh, thinking they could possibly cover. The Bills hadn't looked perfect. And this game was supposed to be in a monsoon. That was my big theory for all my picks this week, you know. And uh, it ended up stopped raining in D.C. and New York and some other places like 10 minutes into the game. So it didn't even matter. And uh, Josh Allen was good enough in the weather. Yeah. Next game, AFC South matchup. The Houston Texans destroy the Jacksonville's 30, Jacksonville Jaguars 37 to 30, 17. Geez. And CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud oh, together. Yeah. This man is something 20 for 30, 280 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. In his first three games, over 900 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Tank Dell's been his main guy, too. Five catches, 145 yards, and a touchdown with a long 68-yarder here. I don't even want to talk about Jacksonville. I want to talk about C.J. Stroud, Skyler. Yeah. I mean, it's, as of right now, seems very clear that he's the best you know, rookie quarterback. Obviously, we haven't seen much of Anthony Richardson yet, and he has had some explosive plays. But C.J. Stroud already looks to be a guy who's going to change this Texans franchise. Absolutely. Uh, this Texans team was definitely a, a, a team to look out for as a sleeper these next couple of weeks. But I think they've hit, you know, where we thought they possibly could go in a year from now. I think they're ready to start competing. Um, 
They have a good defense, defensive head coach, obviously could come back to back to bite them. We've seen that happen in the NFL. The defensive head coaches and the young quarterbacks don't always click. But hey, CJ Stroud is the only young quarterback who has the ability to stretch the field right now. And he's hitting on his deep shots. And uh, it's okay because the defense absolutely shut down Jacksonville. Yeah. Also, Jacksonville's offense hasn't looked good since week one. They got held the single-digit points last week against Kansas City. And, you know, only 17 points. I know, you know, with Texans, things are trending up as far as their defense goes. But only 17 points against that squad is not something that you're going to be happy about at all through Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence. So, maybe Jacksonville trending down. That'd be sad. Another AFC South team, though, got a win, a big win in Baltimore. The Indianapolis Colts moved to two and one as they went in overtime over the Ravens, twenty-two to nineteen. Gardner Minshew got to start in this one with no Anthony Richardson. He had a decent day, did enough to get to victory. I'll call it that. Twenty-seven forty-four, two hundred twenty-seven yards and a touchdown. Zach Moss had thirty carries in this one, one hundred twenty-two yards. Spread the ball well. Did Gardner Minshew, Michael Pittman did have nine catches for 77 yards and Josh Downs, eight catches for 57 yards. Like him. Kind of just a dirty, I want to say not dirty in the sense of like people are doing bad things to each other, but it was just like a messy game to watch is what I would call it. Baltimore's offense really couldn't get going except for Lamar when he was running the ball. And the Colts just found a way to get the job done when it mattered most. You know, they had the ball three times in overtime. That's not something that we see too often. And, I mean, they moved it 2-1. and one. I don't think, you know, any anybody's, you know, talking about the Colts going to Super Bowl or even the Colts going to the playoffs. But to be 2-1, and one, shout out to Shane Steichen and the guys that he's got going on over there. Yeah, absolutely. We'll start off with shouting out Shane Steichen and Gardner Minshew, even Zach Moss, guys who weren't supposed to start. And uh, and they stepped in, got the job done. However, Lamar Jackson has looked horrific this year. I know he has yards on the ground. That's great. He moves the ball. But he doesn't look like a good quarterback right now. Uh, Indy got bailed out. That, that's just uh, plain and simple, man. There, there was a, a face mask and a holding that they missed in overtime on Baltimore. Baltimore should have won this game. Justin Tucker missed a field goal, too. Uh, you know, yeah, shout out sure. Indy for taking you know, stepping up. Matt Gay hit his four field goals. Tucker missed his shot at the end there. Um, but I don't have a lot of faith in Baltimore. Yeah. Baltimore trending downwards. Indianapolis maybe trending up. Hopefully Anthony Richardson gets to be playing next week because he's a lot of fun to watch. Yes, though. he is. And even though Gardner Mitchell has a fun personality, he cannot do things the way AR-15 does. So, uh well, up into the late window of games, Carolina taking on the Seattle Seahawks in Seattle. Doubt Bryce Young for the Panthers, and they lose 37-27. to Andy Dalton threw the ball a ton in this one, 34-58, for 58, 361 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. A solid game for him. Uh, most of those went to Adam Thielen. Uh, 11 catches, 145 yards in the touchdown. So his first big game as a Panther. I don't know how many of those we're going to see with Bryce Young at you know, the helm, but good job by Andy Dalton to find a veteran wide receiver and out of dealing a ton. Uh, and then on the Seattle side, Geno Smith, a decent game, 23 for 36, 296 yards, a touchdown and a pick. Kenneth Walker had a good game, 18 carries, 97 yards, two touchdowns. Charbonnet had a decent game in his nine touches where he had uh, 46 yards. 
DK Metcalf went over the 100-yard mark. A uh, good win by Seattle against a team that they should beat is all I'm calling this one. Yeah, Seattle looks pretty good, man. Ground and pound. They're coming off of a road win at Detroit. They look really good. The one thing that uh, kind of surprised me here is that Frank Reich has so much more confidence in Andy Dalton than he does in Bryce Young. Maybe that's uh, you know just because he's a rookie and not because of any other issues that Bryce Young may have. Because we already talked about it. C.J. Stroud has the upper leg right now. Um, so uh, I'm excited to see what Bryce Young can do now that we we know what's capable of this Frank Reich offense. Andy Dalton had 360 yards, man. Guys were open. Yeah, I, I'm definitely – I wouldn't be worried with Bryce Young on how they, you know, managed him compared to what Andy Dalton was doing. I think it's, again, you know, just seeing a super young quarterback in his first few games in the NFL where, you know, mm. we're not going to see – all the plays and all the things that we would see him run two years from now. And Andy Dalton, you know, Frank Reich kind of had the ability to run what he wanted in this game where he, he knows Andy Dalton's going to be able to make most of the throws, maybe not the, you know, most fleet of foot person now anymore. So maybe that takes some stuff off the you know playbook, but Andy Dalton was able to make a lot of throws in this game. And I think he, yeah. he showed that the Carolina offense when ran well has the ability to be average. <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to say. Mike White versus Zach Wilson. The numbers are ridiculous, but no one trusted him because he was a sixth round pick. And uh, you just hope that uh, the guy they took number one is able to move this offense because that's not what happened with my team. You know. Move into the next game. Kansas City Chiefs blow out the Bears 41 to 10. Uh, Justin Fields. Held under 100 yards in this one, 11 for 22, 99 totally or 99 passing yards, a touchdown and a pick. Running game wasn't too much there either. Uh, Kansas City, their offense did what Kansas City does. Patrick Mahomes, three passing touchdowns. Travis Kelsey, big name in the news this week. I know Skyler's been reading up on all that stuff. Uh, seven catches, 69 yards, very nice there, and a touchdown uh, before he. You maybe did some other stuff after the game, but uh, I know you're not a Taylor Swift guy, Skyler, so we'll, we'll just keep it on football. Okay. I'm not a Taylor Swift guy either, but don't kill me. Uh, what do you think about this one? I mean, I, Paris are fucked. Well, what else is there, right? Yeah, Chicago's cooked, man. They already lost their DC uh, to who knows what happened with him, yeah, man. Cool. He's, he's not there anymore. Defensive head coach, again, with struggles. Eberflus, he brought in all of his dudes, and none of them have been good. They have the worst defense by far in the league. It's over. I feel bad for Justin Fields, but it's over, man. He's going to get another shot somewhere else. This team's cooked. Yeah, uh, I know there's been stuff on Twitter saying that he is going to be the most athletic T-Mobile worker of all time. <laughs> but, I mean... Justin Fields, his athletic ability is going to keep him in the league regardless of how bad of a quarterback that he is for at least another five years because can you just imagine him in like a Taysom Hill role where he throws the ball twice a game and takes snaps and does read options half the time? Like I, I That's kind of what the Bears offense is right now, but I, I think you'll find a spot in this league, whether it's you know being a starting quarterback or not. I'm not too sure, but he'll find a spot to stay in this league for a decent amount of time. Last game of the late window, the Cowboys 
lose to the Arizona Cardinals, ruin the tank job by the Cardinals. But shout out to Joshua Dobbs and the guys that they have over there. We'll start off with Arizona. Dobbs goes 17 for 21, 189, a touchdown, no picks. Josh, James Conner, 14 carries, 98 yards, and a touchdown on the ground. So it's 18 yards to the air, so that puts him over the 100-yard 100, 100 threshold. Marquise Hollywood-Brown, five catches, 61 yards, and a touchdown in this one as well, too. Dallas just only scores 16 points against this Cardinals defense, which isn't terrible. I know that's the biggest thing that the Cardinals were trying to do this year, get to the quarterback and kind of rebuild a defense that didn't have any identity over these past few years. And especially, you know, not having Buda Baker. And I know Pat Pete's been gone for a few years now at this point, but without those guys there, it's been a different looking defense over these past few years. And that defense in Arizona is starting to come, come around and beat something. I like Cam Thomas. Uh, I think, you know, this was a complete trap game for the Cowboys. Absolutely. I'm not going to make too much too much of a deal of it because this happens to everybody throughout the year. Uh, and if this is just the one, then I'm just going to let it be. Absolutely. If it's just one, then I'll uh, go back to what I was saying after they beat the crap out of the, the two New York teams. But if Dak plays like this again, man, we're in trouble. And you, Okay, the, the so-called number one defense at the time in the league – Giving up 28 points to Josh Dobbs. How is Josh Dobbs more prepared than, say, Daniel Jones? Is he looks game? decent. He looks decent. Sure, but another guy who was set up to fail, and he still yeah. can score more than 10 points. It's crazy. Sunday Night Football. Congrats. Steelers take on the Raiders and go into Las Vegas and beat the Raiders 23 to 18. We'll start off with Pittsburgh, I guess. 16 for 28, 20, 235 yards, two touchdowns, no picks for Kenny Pickett. Uh, big touchdown to Calvin Austin in this game. Najee Harris, I mean, he didn't play terrible, I guess. 19 carries, 65 yards. Uh, but again, you know, Najee's kind of doesn't have the legs that he had in his rookie year. TJ Watt, two sacks, three QB hits in this game. On the Raiders' side, Garoppolo, 28 for 44. 324 yards, two touchdowns, three awful interceptions. Josh Jacobs finally got a little bit going, I would say. 17 carries, 62 yards. Uh, kind of those yards, or most of those yards, came more towards the end of the game, but at least he got the yards rather than not having them at all that he's had in these past few weeks. Receiving-wise, Devontae did what Devontae does. 13 catches, 172 yards, two touchdowns. Jacoby Myers, and his return from his concussion, game that he missed last week seven catches 85 yards so two for two in productive days for him Garoppolo has a concussion or is in concussion protocol I hope we see Aiden O'Connell next week partially because I'm going to be seeing him in person and partially because I don't want to fucking see Brian Hoyer start a game at quarterback oh man you know I'll start with the Steelers. Mm-hmm. The offense is a disaster. You can't trust them, but they forced the Raiders to play their style of football. And it's really hard to come back on, on that grade of a defensive line. Uh, and I think the Raiders knew that they went away from the running game and it ended up beating them. I'm, I'm trying to be careful with my words. Cause I know you might be, you know, it, 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 I know, bro. It, it's, it was a tough one for me to watch too. You know, it's they're not efficient at all. The Raiders at, with anything they do, and 
the first guy I look to blame is the coach. I don't know if you can blame Jimmy. He's just guy here. Uh, you can you can okay. you can blame Jimmy for that one for throw some of the things that he, he's done. He he uh went to throw the ball out of bounds and it didn't actually go out of bounds. It went <laughs> yeah, he like bounds. didn't put enough throw power on it. Tack Wilson <laughs> does the same shit, man. It's it's hilarious. Yeah, Once you get over uh, the fact that you're not going to win, then it's hilarious. <laughs> but I'm no, sorry, I, uh, I didn't do that, man. In this game, I kind of knew it was once it was. I think it was twenty three seven. Well, I knew it was over before that. I knew because it was seven nothing Raiders, and we get Steelers like first or second drive, and it's third and seven. I'm like, fuck yeah, you know, if we get a stop here, we can win this game. What happens that play? Seventy two yard touchdown to Calvin Austin. So it was. That was the point where I'm like, okay, yeah, this game's done. I know we're not going to be able to come back and score consistently on the Steelers' defense, and this is the first time that I've felt that way as a Raider fan in a long time. I've always felt like our offense has the has had the ability to compete with some of the better defenses in the league with Carr at the helm, but I just that, that, I never felt that with Jimmy at all on Sunday night. So it is what it is. I'm prepared for Quinn Ewers be the dude next sure. year maybe Aiden O'Connell we'll see how it goes my comparison before we take a break here and then come back and talk about the Monday night games for Quinn Ewers I had shades of Philip Rivers oh. that's good but I hate Philip so I know you do but similar throwing style all right moving on to Monday nights and the football gods gave us two Completely mid-game on Monday night. The early game was the Eagles taking on the Buccaneers. Eagles came out with a victory 25-11. to 11. That just sounds like a boring score. Uh, so I guess we'll hop into it. Jalen Hurts didn't have a great game. 23 for 37, 277, a touchdown and two picks, uh, as well as you know 28 yards on the ground and a touchdown there. DeAndre Swift, another big game for him. 16 carries, 130 yards. He looks to be the real deal over there in Philadelphia. Uh, A.J. Brown, big game receiving, 131 yards on nine receptions. Billy's defense did enough to hold down the Baker Mayfield-led Buccaneers to under 150 yards passing, only one touchdown. Uh, One pick in the game for Baker. Rashad White didn't have a good game, only 38 yards on the ground. Mike Evans had a touchdown. That was a pretty cool catch, but that's about it. And, I, I mean... We didn't really know what the Buccaneers were going into this game. I think that's something that we saw in the first two weeks, and we were kind of looking at this game for clarity as far as, you know, are the Buccaneers going to be a team that we need to talk about in the NFC consistently, or is it just the case of having two decent matchups as far as your personnel groups go in the first two games of the season? And unfortunately, I really don't think we saw much because the Eagles are a damn good team and they did what they probably should against this Buccaneers team and went by two touchdowns. So I'm still going into week four, kind of unsure of what Baker and the Bucs hold as far as their future goes. I definitely also lean towards the side of wanting to see some more. Um, It's tough to, to say, you know, the Eagles are such a great team. New England did play them a lot tougher than Tampa did. But with uh, an even more wide open division than we thought with their car going down, uh, let's see them again. Because they're interesting for sure. Yeah. Last game of week three, the Rams take on the Cincinnati Bengals. And this game was also kind of a spot where we looked for 
clarity to see are these teams really what they have been in these first two weeks where the Rams, at least for me, have been surprising in the way that they are competing in games against teams that I didn't think they would. Uh, and then for the Bengals, you know, two shitty games offensively in the first two weeks. And we saw kind of a shit show, both sides offensively. Stafford, 18 for 33, 269, a touchdown, two interceptions. Kyron Williams couldn't get much going on the ground. Puka Nakua didn't have his crazy game, but still, if we started this season up and Puka Nakua had five catches and 72 yards week one, we'd be like, holy crap, who is this dude? So another good game for him, I would say, 2-2 Atwell, also four catches, 50 yards, and a touchdown uh Cincinnati, as far as our offense goes, 26 for 49 for Burrow, 259, zero touchdowns, one pick. Joe Mixon had a very Joe Mixon-like game, 19 carries, 65 yards, and a touchdown with a long of only 14. Jamar Chase had his first big game of the year, 12 for four, 141 on 15 targets. Tyler the board, T. Higgins kind of held in check. Uh, but a lot of targets for them both, so a lot of incompletions for Burrow in that, this one. Uh, but the Bengals get it done when they needed to the most. So again, kind of a mu- must-win game for them where you're playing at home against a team that's probably not as good as you. I know Cincinnati has had these slow starts and made up for it in the past that we've you know, talked to these past few weeks and, and years in general. Uh, but we both kind of agree that this was a year that you can't do that in this division. You're going to need to win a lot of games in order to win it. That's something that the Bengals are going to need to do if they want to win the Super Bowl. So good job on Cincinnati to win a game that you don't look the best in. I don't think either of these starting quarterbacks are going to be 100% at any point this season. And for that reason, I'm still not convinced either are going to be very good this year. Um, offense just looks so difficult for Cincinnati. Again, they only scored one touchdown in this game. Uh, I think that's a little ridiculous, if you ask me. At least he, he as in Joe Burrow, is moving the ball, pushing the ball downfield a little more to his big targets. Um, so that helps. Like you said, it didn't lead to much, a lot of incompletions, but at least they won. And if they started 0-3, the season would have been over. Um, at least they have that going for them. Well, there it is, the week through recap. Let's hop into uh, the uh, top five power rankings of the AFC. We do this, I, I thought we did it pretty much every single week last year. This is the first week that we've done it this year. We can kind of see who's legit and who's not legit as early as possible. Uh, and we're starting off in the AFC, of course. Do you have any honorable mentions that you want to talk about before we get into it? I don't. Same. Uh, number five, <laughs> number five, we do have the Cincinnati Bengals surprising here, but they finally won a game. Burrow was obviously still hurt, but there's so many weapons. I think they're going to survive. I don't think Baltimore's good. I just think they've been tricking us all these years. So that's my bold prediction, I guess, of this uh, video, but Cincinnati still alive. Yeah, I, it was very tough for me to find a fifth spot and maybe even a fourth spot for a team in this because the AFC hasn't impressed me as much as I expected it to going into the season. And so this fifth place team, you know, has had their fair share of mistakes in the first three weeks of the season. 
I went with the Pittsburgh Steelers. They have one of the best defenses in the league, and they have an offense that has the ability to grow as the season goes on, whether that's using Jalen Warren more or just seeing kind of that natural progression that we see in the second year from Kenny Pickett, uh, as well as George Pickens, too. I think the Steelers have a chance to make the playoffs. I don't know about, you know, any Super Bowl chances or anything like that, but number five spot is going to go to the Steelers for me. On to number four. Number four, I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. The elite defense helps. You know, if they didn't have that, they're possibly outside of the top five this, this first couple of weeks here um, because Josh Allen's been a complete mystery. But he's still better than the other AFC quarterbacks who are winning too. Uh, so they get the nod. Obviously, not everyone blows a team out 37 to 3. Number four for me is going to be where I put the Cleveland Browns. I'm assuming that you have them higher than I do just off of where our projections have gone. Mm. Uh, but 73 to 32 in the first three games of the season and the best scoring defense in the league. And I think in general, it's pretty safe to say throughout the first three weeks of the season, that they have had the most complete group. In the league, they've been shutting down passers, whether it's Burrow or even a shittier guy like Brian Tannehill, and they shut down the run, uh, mainly Derrick Henry and Joe Mixon over these first three weeks of the season. Two and one, good spot to be, but Cleveland, I think, has the ability, if they get things right on offense and Deshaun Watson plays you know, these next few weeks and then pass that same way that he did in week three, the Cleveland Browns could be like a dark horse, legit contender. Yeah. On the number three. My number three will be the Cleveland Browns. I would probably have them number one on the list if Chubb didn't get hurt and they lost that game on Monday night um, because the defense and the running game is how you win in the AFC North. And uh, Watson's played a lot better than Lamar, Pickett, and Burrow slowly getting better each week. I think it's possible that he's found it because I, I had a lot of concerns. He looked like he was lost out there. Um, but it's, like you said, probably the number one defense in the NFL. Mm. On to my three, and I'm going with Miami. Bit of a shocker here where I'm not having them at the number one or number two spot. Uh, and I know scoring 70 points is absolutely nuts. And if you want to put them at one or two, I'm completely okay with that. But usually when we see teams up the way that they were, we don't see teams taking deep shots. That's kind of the main thing that I saw. So them running it up doesn't put too much impact into my stuff here. I just think there's better groups throughout the NFL and especially in the AFC. Uh, I'll tell you where I put the bills here in a few minutes, but Miami 3-0 start, unexpected 3-0 start in my opinion as well too. So good job by Mike McDaniel and the boys boys over there down in South Beach getting the job done in the first three weeks of the season. Mm -hmm. On at number two. And I got them at number two. Been the best looking offense in the NFL so far. Uh, not everyone wins by 50, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, true. But don't forget, they're never good in the second half especially on the road. They play in the East. There's not a lot of Floridian weather up in the Northeast there. And it oh, usually comes back to bite them. I mean, uh, Zach Wilson beat them like, what, 48 to 10 last year. So you know they're going to come crashing down at some point. You just hope if you're a Dolphins fan, it's not going to completely take them out of the race. But I, I say they're hot enough where they're going to get a pretty good lead here. Maybe go on a little win streak to start off the year. 
Number two, the Buffalo Bills. I think this team in the past two weeks has had two complete blowouts. I know week one was a bit of a hiccup with the Jets, and maybe they just weren't prepared for Zach Wilson. You know, uh, No, we'll, we'll skip week one. I think week one is that, that hiccup that they have, and I think every team has the hiccup, like I talked about with the Dallas mm-hmm. Cowboys a couple minutes ago, where you're going to have a few games throughout the year where you just don't play good and you lose a game. I think we saw that week one with the Bills, and since then we've kind of seen their true identity. Then again, this kind of always happens for the Bills, where they just blow the doors off of you know five or six games throughout the year, and then they lose a game out of nowhere that we're just kind of like, what the fuck? Uh, overall, though, I think the Bills are just as legit as they've been in these past few years, where I would still take a few teams over them. But if everything goes right, they can win the Super Bowl if things go well. So. Mm-hmm. Number two spot for Buffalo for me, which leaves the number one spot for the same team that's always fucking there. Yeah, KC, man. I think uh, it's fair to say this is the best team Mahomes has had around him, especially the defense. Um, I know he lost Tyreek Hill. It's, that's always tough. He's going to be having MVP conversations, and we'll get into that later. But Mahomes looks great, man. The defense, I think, is probably number two right now statistically behind Cleveland. Uh, Chris Jones is back. He looks good. Kelsey's back. He looks even better with the mustache and uh, they're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah. I uh, Kansas city number one. And the funny thing is I was going to say that this offense is maybe the worst that Patrick Mahomes has had. I know you said the whole team specifically, yeah, yeah, but even like not having Juju, uh, like he doesn't have that one wide receiver that he can really go to all the time. And, be, you know, confident veteran type feel. And I know Kelsey's there and he's going to find Kelsey at on this year. Maybe that, uh, that'll be their one thing that stops them, that makes them yeah. not the number one team. However, they do have a ton of playmakers. They have a ton of running backs. They're going to keep guys fresh throughout the entire year. So maybe that makes it so they're okay with all the stuff. And they don't need to have a guy like that. Or maybe they just trade for Justin Jefferson in the middle of the year and we're fucked for the next 10. So... Kansas City's the best team in the AFC for me right now, and I think it's likely going to stay that way for the entire year, even if they do drop a couple games out of nowhere, because we always know that they're legit when it's all said and done. Man. On to the NFC side, any honorable mentions you want to talk about? No, I uh, I did something weird, so no honorable mentions yet. Okay. Uh, Number five for me, I guess I'll go first. Uh, It's going to be the Seattle Seahawks, a team that has looked okay in the first three weeks of the year. As far as my expectations to them, they are finding ways to win games when they haven't looked the greatest, and I think that's the biggest thing there. I know week one was a rough one against the Rams, but that's a divisional game, so I'll give you a pass in week one. Uh, I think Seattle's going to be fine. Maybe 12 wins was too high as my you know preseason projection for them, but they should find their way into the playoffs and they should most likely find their way into the playoffs pretty com- comfortably. Right. Who's your five? My five is going to be the Falcons. I really like that Green Bay win. It's an important win. It's like you were mentioning, you know, the division games get a little tricky, especially early in the season, but this was legit. Uh, obviously, I can't have Detroit over them um, because of the head-to-head, but I like what Arthur Smith has has done compared to the NFC South coaches. They're rebuilding the Tennessee running scheme. Ritter doesn't make too many mistakes yet. So they get a nod for now. 
Yeah. I guess if I were to have an honorable mention, I'd mention the Lions. I think you know, that group is pretty solid, but uh, they haven't really hit their stride yet is what I'll call it. Number four for me is going to be where I put the Dallas Cowboys. I know a terrible loss last week, but I'm not overreacting to that unless they keep on continuously doing it. Uh, point differential is very, you know, Dallas-like where they have a couple crazy blowouts early in the year and their thing's a little bit inflated, but they've looked good for the most part. I'm not worried about Dak. I think he gets a little bit too much hate, and I know he had a rough game against Arizona. But again, it's just one week. We'll see how he does next week, and if he does keep on playing better, then they'll take him off the list. But as of right now, they're in the four spot for me. I got a tie here. The Lions and the Seahawks. Seattle beat Detroit head-to-head, but they're so similar. I couldn't choose one, but I didn't feel like it was fair to bump up Detroit when they lost to them. Both offenses have it figured out right now with the veteran quarterbacks. They also both have wild-card secondaries. Um, The Lions feel like the better overall team, but I'm going to give them the tie here at the four spot. Wow. Number three, uh, I put the New Orleans Saints here. I think this group is a very complete group, offensively and defensively. Obviously, this is, in my mind, with Carr as the quarterback and not Jameis Winston. I think that offense is, has the capability to be, I wouldn't say you know top five or anything like that, but a group that's 10 to 12 in the NFL, and I think that's going to be just fine when you have a defensive group that's probably top seven in the league, and I think that's – that's enough to be not at the top, top tier of the NFC that we see with the Eagles and the Niners, but the tier right below that uh, where you're going to win quite a few regular season games. If Carr can stay on the fucking field, please. Number three. Yeah. Uh, New Orleans would be my honorable mention if I had an extra spot for him. But uh, number three is where I got Dallas. The Diggs injury hurts. Dak never looks as good as we talk about them during the week embarrassing loss against the Cardinals but they're still in the clear um you you got to trust the veteran leadership they have in Dallas offensive line defensive line even the linebackers man uh Mandaresh, he's been there for a long time and you would think you know stuff like that would help you beat the Cardinals but I, again like like we're talking about, I'm going to try not to think too much into it and just stick them in the three spot and ignore it and chalk it up as a hiccup. Uh, but I'm definitely starting to, to get concerned about Dallas. Yeah. Number two, this is number one and two. I feel like can be interchangeable for a lot of people. Uh, we know what two teams is going to be. Uh, the number two team for me, though, is going to be the Eagles. I think they haven't looked as good as they were last year. Uh, and the Niners have looked a little bit better. Uh, Eagles still seem to feel like they're like putting it all together right now, which is kind of something that I didn't expect to see from them. I expected, you know, week one and from there on out that they would be nearly the same exact team that they were last year, if not better with the guys that they've brought in and kind of, you know, hoping to rotate the older guys away and into the younger guys or, you know, half of that Georgia defense that they have. So, so the Eagles are three, and zero. they've looked good enough in all three games to win them all. Uh, so Philly gets the two spot for me. It's just they haven't been as good as the Niners. Yeah, also got the Eagles at two here. The defense still looks nasty. That was a big concern for me. Jalen Carter looks like the best overall player in the draft. Hurts has been struggling a little bit. I guess they all had the flu 
last night in Tampa. Um, but whatever, man, just keep running the ball and you'll be a top two NFC seed for me all year. Number one team is going to be the Niners. Uh, Brock Purdy had a game last week where he kind of just, I felt like he made a lot of shitty reads and he just didn't have the best day, but it still ended up being fine statistically wise. Uh, Niners, you know, blow out another team. This week, they should be blowing out the Cardinals. I am looking forward to a bit of a defensive test the two weeks after that, facing the Cowboys and the Broncos, mm. or not the Broncos, the Browns, mm. uh, just to see, you know, how those positional groups hold up against one another. Uh, Niners look very complete right now. We know their defense is good. We know their skill players are really good. We know their line is good. Jake Moody's been good as well, too, uh, after a rough preseason. But Niners got to be the top team in the NFC right now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the stuff that happened with Purdy last week actually makes me more confident in this team. Uh, it takes away some of the doubts. You know, oh, my God, if Purdy makes a mistake, what's going to happen to this offense? Well, then McCaffrey will just break one. <laughs> McCaffrey's yeah. been unstoppable. It's a perfect situation for all these guys. They're at the top. Yeah. I am encouraged. I would say, I don't know if encouraged is the right way to see. I'm very curious to see how he responds to, like, the Browns defense. Yeah. And a defense that has been very good at stopping the run in a way where, you know, he's going to have to make a lot of throws in order to win them that game, most likely. Maybe, maybe not even. Maybe the Niners pulled the Browns to three fucking points and the Niners win 17-3 to three or something like that. But Seems to happen every year, man. It's, it's very interesting. And, you know, I think the one real test for, you know, the Eagles and the Niners is to play each other or play Kansas City and see how you line up against those squads. But... You can see certain things in certain games on how he would match up against other things. And I'm like, we're going to be able to see that over these next few weeks. I know it's only week three, Skyler, but we love doing this. Our top three MVP in the first three weeks of the season. I know we're probably going to have honorable mentions. We're probably going to have spots where, you know, one through three could all be switched right now. But, mm-hmm. uh, any honorable mentions that I'll, I'll start off with that. There's so many, of course, right? We're only naming three. So Patrick Mahomes and Tyree Kill are not on my list. They will be in real life. They're just not on this list. So I, you know, shout them out because I, I didn't forget about them. I'm just trying to look in other directions. Yeah. Uh, I guess Pat Mahomes, uh, CJ Stroud has looked amazing. I yeah. know they've only won one game, but he's looked really, really good. Uh, so I guess we'll hop right into it. We'll find a number three spot. That is two different people. And I went with two defensive guys, TJ Watt and Miles Garrett. Uh, TJ Watt has done probably the most as far as being uh, valuable. Where you know, The Steelers probably don't win the games if it's not for him. Yeah. But Miles Garrett and the group that they have right now is just absolutely insane. So those two dudes got to be on my list somewhere. And that's exactly where they are. That's respectable. At my three spot, I have Christian McCaffrey from the Niners. First in rushing, three touchdowns, two runs of 40-plus. And until he doesn't have that big run that breaks him out of their their offensive slump, he's going to stay on my list. That's how valuable he's been. It's very helpful to Brock Purdy. Everyone is in a perfect situation. And I feel like it all starts with Trent Williams and Christian McCaffrey, those two guys. Yeah, number two for me is going to be where I put CMC. Uh, just the consistency that he offers for that Niners offense where 
I said it earlier where he's going to have the 80 yards at least and a touchdown pretty much every single game from them. And that's, if it's something you can rely on consistently, he's got to be so nice. And so he's my number two guy. I think once it's all said and done, it's very tough to see a running back win the MVP as we've seen in the past, but through three weeks in the season where the quarterback play throughout hasn't been the most, you know, eye popping in the league just through any quarterback uh i think we can look at some of the other positions right now for sure at my two spot i have tj watt uh i just have him i am again not trying to forget about anyone i just wanted to separate him from the rest because he's first in sacks with six two forced fumbles two fumble recoveries on separate plays two pass deflections and a touchdown that's Amazing. He terrorized Vegas last night. Sorry, Sunday night. It's Tuesday. And uh, and he's my my number two player in the MVP race, man. My MVP through three weeks of the season is going to be Tyreek Hill. And I know Justin Jefferson has more yards and you know maybe a few bigger games, but Tyreek Hill, the stuff that he has provided to the Dolphins offense through three weeks has got to be the most valuable. And we're seeing them be used in a way that we don't really see, you know, too many like big time receivers be used where they're consistently in motion. And it can makes the defense just be so confused on how you're going to play him because he's the focal point of their offense. And through three weeks, 412 yards on 25 receptions, four touchdowns, six of those are those big play categories, which I believe are the 20 yard plus variety. Uh, and then most in first downs as well, too. So he's moving the chains for Miami, even when he's not getting into the end zone. And he has been the most valuable player in football so far for me through three weeks. I am completely fine with that pick. I just happen to go with Tua here yeah. because it's the quarterback. And I think he's been the best. He's second in passing to Kirk Cousins, of course, who's 0-3. Eight touchdowns to two interceptions. The big thing for me, why I gave it to him over – Tyreek is because he's only taking one sack so far this season. He gets the ball out by far the quickest out of anyone in the NFL in this new style of offense. They've been running with the motions looks pretty unbeatable. Of course, this usually happens with Miami. And then in a month from now, someone will get hurt and they'll just abandon the run game and they'll all go to shit. But um, as of right now, Tua is the most valuable player in football. Never thought I'd say that one. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think I'd be, you know, hearing these conversations again uh, after what happened last year and how it ended up going. But Mike McDaniel and the whole staff over there has got those dudes playing some type of way. We'll move on to the second half where Skyler is going to talk about some college football. Yes, sir. Another great college football week in the bag. So let's talk about it a little bit. We'll start off, of course. With the Heisman watch, not a lot of movers, but on the bottom, we lose Shadur Sanders. Rough game against Oregon. And Jordan Travis from Florida State is going to step up and take that five spot. 289 passing yards, three total touchdowns, a win on the road at Clemson. Great job, man. Florida State's legit. They got a lot of NFL talent. And uh, I think that's been helping Jordan Travis a lot, but he takes advantage. Number four here, moving up one spot, we got Kyle's guy, Quinn Ewers from Texas. The big win at Baylor. Again, Baylor is not as good this year, but it's still a rivalry game. 300 yards, two touchdowns. They got the job done. Big matchup against Kansas State coming up next week. Two undefeated teams. 
Number three, Bo Nix. It's going to stay the same here. Domination against Colorado. 276 yards, four touchdowns, one pick. All the Pac-12 guys at the top here. Um, just above Caleb Williams. Sorry, just above Bo Nix is Caleb Williams, USC. Uh, of course, he won it last year. And if you remember from last week, this is just how I order them. I have Michael Penix Jr. above him. Caleb Williams looked great at Arizona State. 322 passing yards, five touchdowns, no picks. But Michael Penix is just putting up the most ridiculous numbers. They scored 59 against Cal, a very respectable Division I defense. 304 passing yards and four touchdowns in just three quarters. If Washington can keep this going, Michael Penix will be the Heisman winner. Of course, I love what Caleb Williams is doing. I still think he's the number one quarterback in the nation. I just understand why Michael Penix would be leading here in the odds. He's put up more numbers. Can you can yeah. you imagine saying this three years ago when Michael Penix was I love Michael Penix at Indiana. At Indiana and he wasn't putting up like big numbers, but he just kind of was the dude that found his way on national television each mm-hmm. week and was kind of just yeah. making these like random ass plays. If you were to tell me three years from that moment that he was, you know, going to be the leader in Heisman, you know, voting and stuff like that, then I'd be like, what the fuck's going on? But he deserved it. What he's done over there at UW has been very encouraging for his future NFL career. Mm -hmm. And, of course, encouraging for, you know, perhaps winning the Heisman. To come back from two major knee surgeries and uh, and put up these kind of numbers and put himself back in the first round draft conversation is... It's just awesome, man. I love it. And to throw lefty. Yes. What? <laughs> he honestly, uh, dude, his deep ball looks like a like a Eagles Vic. You know, it's just so nonchalant. <laughs> well, all right, man. You got any else? Uh, <laughs> anything else for the Heisman watch here? Anyone I missed? Captain Andrew Luck. I know you saw that, that man. Wow. Yeah, that was sick, dude. He he went on the uh, the post game show with Fitzpatrick on Thursday night. It's good to see that Andrew Luck's doing good because. He wasn't doing good when he left the game. You know, he's a good guy. We'll hop into our bets now. Uh, Last week it was a rough week. Uh, We'll quickly gloss over it. I had my my layup pit. I had Niners minus nine and a half. I thought that was a very easy pick there. And that ended up going green. Scatter had number 16, Oklahoma minus 14 and a half at Cincinnati. It was 15. They took the starters out in the fourth quarter. Wow. Too bad. Uh, This week... I have Cleveland minus two and a half. I am currently blanking on who that is against. It is against the Ravens, a team that has not looked the greatest. Browns defense, like we've mentioned a ton of times in the episode, has looked like the best group in the entire NFL. I think they do that, you know, even more against a a team that has not looked very good on offense so far. Yeah, I'm going with the Kansas City Chiefs to cover nine and a half at the Jets Sunday night football. Zach Wilson gets to start. Um, Trevor Simeon's still on the practice squad, and we're not comfortable playing Tim Boyle in. So it'll be all Zach Wilson unless he has a major injury. And that means we're going to get smoked. It's unfortunate, but it's an easy bet. Take those 10 points, man. You know, it's rough when you are betting against your own team for the layup. I know more than most. Last week, uh, a bowl prediction, I had the Saints over the Green Bay Packers at the time. It was a two and a half point spread. I think the Saints ended up being the favorite when it was all said and done. Uh, this game should have been green, but of course, Carr gets hurt and that doesn't happen. Uh, the other bowl prediction I made, I also had 
the Rams over Cincinnati. That was close to hitting. I made it originally under the assumption that Joe Burrow was going to be hurt, and I think mm-hmm. that's why you put it in orange here. Yeah. However, I always knew that that was a factor in the game. Uh, so it is a red. I'm not going to you know, give me anything there. It was but, just uh, kind of like a shout-out to you. Yeah, I thought even <laughs> with Burrow, they still had a chance to win, and that's exactly what it was. You know, it's only lose by three points in that game. It was a very winnable one, but a red one for me. Uh, it's going to Tennessee over Cleveland. I also picked Tennessee over Cleveland in our picks. Unfortunately, it was completely wrong. Tennessee got smacked by Cleveland 27-3. to This week, I have Tampa Bay over New Orleans. I have no trust in Jameis in this one. So give me the Tampa Bay defense. Uh, moving to three and one. All right. Well, I'm going with some college football. Friday night, Pac-12 action. Number 10, Utah. Man, they snuck out of UCLA with a win. They stay undefeated, and they're going to Corvallis to take on number 19, Oregon State. I got Utah getting the upset in back-to-back weeks on the road. Cam Rising still recovering from the ACL in the bowl game. He's not ready yet. It's freshman Nate Johnson. He's just doing exactly what he needs to do to win the game 17-14 because Utah's defense is ridiculously good. And you know DJ Uyunglele of Oregon State is going to implode at some point, man. You mean I'm the predicting Friday night. Hey, if he, if he gets there, that's respect, man. I, I wouldn't call that an implosion. That's going to do it. Yeah. Episode 159 in the books. 160 next week. Uh, probably week four recap. It's a quick one, though. Uh, yeah. We'll probably do the same power rankings and MVP stuff. But the reason why I said it's going to be quick, because next week, full, in-depth, MLB playoffs preview. That's yes, going to be a fun one. We didn't talk about it at all this week. Uh, so we're going to talk about a ton next week. And that's going to be a whole lot of fun to talk about. So uh, I guess I'll see you then, Skyler. Absolutely. And, uh, click back who's the World Series. Turn I got to stick. No. <laughs> <laughs> stick with Atlanta, man. They're unstoppable. Yeah, the oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'd probably go out playing as of right now, but we'll see. Haven't looked at it completely. You know, you never know what them will be playoffs. Maybe the Brewers. That'd be cool. For you. Yeah. I would hate it. We'll but. see you guys next week. Everybody watch Notre Dame at Duke. Riley Leonard, Duke quarterback. Again, he's playing himself into the draft. An unknown somewhat guy. They're undefeated. It's going to be a great game. That's my game of the week. Don't watch it. Watch Aiden O'Connell take on the Los Angeles Chargers oh, on yeah? Sunday. Uh, and look in the stands because I'll be there somewhere. I will. I will look for you through the, you know, you know what it is, the Death Star. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Good luck, though. Definitely want to see you have a win in person. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be fun. And pray for Zach Wilson. Pray the Swifties don't come after him after this. Oh, why, why would they come after him? After the upset win. That's the bull prediction of the week. That's the <laughs> City. We'll see you next week. All right. Yeah. Plus 600 or something. 160 baseball playoffs. Don't miss it.